Welcome to Sustainababble 107. What? What's that? That's uh, Len in Strictly, off of former Strictly. You know, he went seven. No idea. Popular uh, culture. Anyway. Uh, the last no, 15 years. Don't talk to me about popular culture. I don't know anything about any of that. Welcome to Speaking of Things That Aren't Popular Culture. We are Sustainababble, <laughs> your friendly little weekly podcast all about people and the planet. And why, despite everything being chopped down and nosed up, we can still have a bit of a chuckle about it and try and work out what's going on in we Oh, Yes. Yes. So, what we got coming up this week then? Well, Dave, we've got some interesting stuff. First off... (laughs) Turn up. (laughs) Yeah. First off, we are going to talk about um, some some withdrawals that are going on. Uh, Specifically, withdrawals of trees from a city. And that city is Sheffield, where lots of trees are being withdrawn, chopped down, taken away. And we're going to talk to somebody who knows about it. Uh, And we're also going to talk about the opposite of withdrawals what uh, deposits yeah deposits we're going to talk about deposit return schemes what a drs plastic bottles going back whence they came from it's the big news this week um what everyone in the government says is going to save the world and what other people say is a good thing but not necessarily going to save the world so yeah withdrawals and deposits that's very the theme. Good. Very good. Oh, well done. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, just the usual disclaimer before we start. We do work for environmental charities, but these are very much our own views and the views of our guests, what we're going to introduce to you in a minute. So if you've got any beef with anything you say, take it up with me and him or our guest, but not with anyone for whom any of us work. Yes? Very good. Right. Timber! So, Inhofe of the week. This is the section named after a senator in America called Jim Inhofe, who is a total and utter Wally. We've had Wally before. He's a weevil. Oh, we had Wally before. We've had Wally before, yeah. I mean, we've done 107 insults. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. Uh, He's a weevil. He's a weevil, a tree weevil. That's what he is, uh, Jim Inhofe. Hang on a minute. Weevils are nice little beetles. They're, They're incredibly dense, like... Speaking of things that are incredibly dense, shut up and let's get on with it. Just now, don't be mean to weevils. Don't call weevils Inhofe's. Uh, okay, weevils aren't Inhofe's, but Inhofe is an Inhofe. And Inhofe is a senator in America who thinks that climate change is not real because there's still snow. And we named this section of the podcast after him where we find other beastly, terrible, non-weevily, evilly people uh, and put them into Inhofe Corner, ain't we all? So who are we going to bung into Inhofe Corner this week then? Well, we're not entirely sure. Right. Um, <laughs> it, it might be Margaret Thatcher. Ooh. It might be Amy. No, 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 not that, not that Amy. No, uh, Amy, who might be a company, not a person. It, it might be Sheffield Council. And it might be Jarvis Cocker. Might be Jarvis Cocker. What happens on a practical level if we put Jarvis Cocker into Inhofe Corner? 
I self-combust. And resign. And immediately. resign immediately. <laughs> Very good. Yes, we did try to get Jarvis Cocker on this podcast, um, and it is safe to say that he ignored us. <laughs> However- <laughs> it's safe to say he isn't on this podcast. <laughs> but who he didn't is? Say no. He didn't say no. He, didn't he just say no. didn't say anything. No, indeed, indeed. But I'll tell you who is on this podcast, Ole, and that is someone from Sheffield. Now, what we're talking about is the destruction of Sheffield's trees. Mm, uh, street trees, street, to be specific. Yeah. Street trees. It's uh, 30-odd thousand, 35 thousand of them something like that in Sheffield but there's a lot less than there was five or six years ago you might have heard about this on the news in your papers on the internet any of that sort of stuff a company is coming and chopping them all up and putting them in the bin and lots of people have got the ump about it in they all yeah very much very much so yes uh, so we decided to speak to someone who knows about it and that is Fran Housel of the Sheffield Tree Campaign and very kindly gave us a bit of her time to explain why on earth so many trees are getting chopped down why on earth it's all getting nasty and protestory and everything and and what might happen in the future and who's the inhoff and crucially and listen to the end for this bit who is the inhoff So hello, Fran. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much for for chatting to us this evening. Um, we wanted to know what on earth is going on um, in Sheffield, and specifically why people are trying to chop down trees. What what's what's going on in the simplest terms? Gosh, um, it's a complicated story, but I'll try and break it down into uh, the the bits that make most sense. So Sheffield has historically had a very large number of street trees and a lot of these were planted at the same time, which causes problems, you know, as trees age, um, they become, you know, more problematic. Um, But it's both a huge environmental asset that we have all these trees, but they're very expensive to manage. So unfortunately, due to mostly lack of central government funding, Uh, In the last couple of decades, um, Sheffield street trees have been very poorly maintained. And now there is money available as part of a a highways improvement contract, um, which was signed in 2012. And Sheffield City Council are basically trying to shoehorn tree maintenance into a a highways maintenance contract or highways upgrade contract. And this is where the problems start because the trees aren't being considered front and centre. They're just something that's part of the street so that's why they become problematic essentially um so the council originally uh, commissioned an independent report back in 2006 2007 and this identified about a thousand trees that needed urgent work and include that would include some that would need further assessment because they were either deemed to be dangerous dying or dead when, um, when you say they need further work that's basically these are the ones that are they're doing what what's wrong with them from a highways point of view from a, from a highways point of view it was essentially if they were causing disruptions to the pavement surface um displacing curbs so often you know tree roots will push curbs slightly out into the road and you know, a dangerous tree is a dangerous tree or a tree that is dying to the point where it's structurally unsound. All these things have to be considered. And so, so this was part of the original um, survey. And like I said, only about a, f- a thousand trees were identified um, to actually have this work done on them. And yet by the time that the contract began in 2012, and this is the contract that's been delivered by Amy on behalf of Sheffield City Council. Who's Amy? What's she, Amy, what's she got to do with anything? Uh, yeah, I know, indeed. Yeah, good spelling, isn't it? But it's Amy with an E in it. And Amy are a um, large um, 
private company who do a lot of contract work for the government, a lot of um, public services like building schools, repairing roads, managing green space, that kind of thing. They they sound a lot like a sort of Carillion type of country, uh, company, are they? Absolutely. Before you yeah. slip there on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, moving on. This is part of the problem because, you know, we've we this is a highways contract that's been um created and yet they're trying to force the tree management within in into that contract and there's a mismatch because they're interested in making as much money as possible out of this and we're interested in preserving our natural environment and those two things are directly competing with each other so let's see if we got this right so th- there is a deal has been done between the council and a private company not a person yep. called amy but a company called amy yep. um and in that that's basically a deal to look after the streets sort out yep. you know so we will pay you how much are we talking about how big's the contract so the contract's worth 2.2 billion um small amounts um so some of that money comes from sheffield taxpayers and we'll be paying that off for goodness knows, only knows how many decades or at least the interest from the original payments and i think I think I'm right in saying one billion has come from the Department of Transport, so directly from government. So it's expensive. And, and then the idea is that the trees are basically messing up some some trees are messing up some roads. Therefore, yeah. we're going to take loads of trees down, and that's that's fixing the roads. Is that yeah, basically that, that, it? Yeah, that that's really it. it's oversimplistic thinking. So um, if you ask Dave or the contract, <laughs> um, the. Uh, the, the contract is um, essentially it, it's been incredibly badly written. And the way I can describe it is that if you are Amy and you're a multinational corporation or rather you're owned by Ferrovial, which is a, a Spanish based multinational corporation, you can obviously afford the best lawyers in the world. Yeah. And then those lawyers have been negotiating with Sheffield City Council's lawyers to come to an agreement and, and put this in the form of a contract which says we will do this for this price and we will do it in this time. It's a big insult to you know have a private company come in and destroy your green heritage, really. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. And have I got this right that they they make more money the more trees that they chop down? Is that correct? So it, is there an incentive to take down as many trees as possible, or is that yeah? Not right? This is where it gets complicated because we're only been allowed to see certain parts of the contract. Um, it's been described as an unusually heavily redacted contract. And what this means is that we can see a copy of it, but all the interesting bits are blacked out. You did see the notice, didn't you? Oh, yes. It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign outside the door saying, beware of the leopard. Because of repeated uh, requests to the information commissioner, his office has ordered that we uh, are allowed to see certain parts of the contract which we weren't previously allowed to see. And this is revealed there's actually a specific target within the contract that says um, 17,500 trees. will How many? 17,500, yeah. How many trees you got? Uh, 36,000 or thereabouts. Um, Bloody hell, Fran, you may not have noticed. That's nearly half the trees. <laughs> no, simple maths. That, that is the simple <laughs> So what they're doing is because of this man- mismanagement over the course of a few decades, three decades or so, they're trying to make up for you know trying to replace as many trees as possible in a 20-year period but anybody who knows anything about ecology will be able to appreciate that if you take away a large tree and replace it even with a you know a handful you know of um smaller saplings they are not like for like so in the meantime (laughs) 
over the course of that 20 years, you know, we're not going to see these trees substantially grow, these replacement saplings. They're not going to grow into impressively large trees in the course of 20 years, maybe 30 years with some species. But you're talking more like 40, 50 years, perhaps even 60 years for some of the slower growing species. So meanwhile, we're having our um, our urban environment, if you like, uh, made poorer and yeah, Sheffield City Council seemingly acute to this line of argument that um, they they're doing the right thing. This is the right thing to do. This sounds this sounds like a right old mess, and it also sounds like the sort of thing that people are going to get cross about. Um, and you know, we down in stinky London have even us with our southern bias have noticed that people have got really cross about it. So, um, t- tell us a little bit about the the protesting kind of that's going on, how long it's been going on, who the people are, and and well, anything you like about it. Okay, so really and truly, I think the sort of the main uh, thrust of the protest began back in about 2014, and it's always been about small local groups you know, really concerned about the streets in their area and they've seen notices going up saying street trees are going to be felled on this road. And they set up with these small community groups and then um, STAG came along, which stands for Sheffield Trees Action Group, and tried to coordinate everybody, put them under an umbrella group so that we had one single face to talk to the media, one single voice, ideally. It's not as simple as that when you've got lots of members, but one voice that is representing the interests of Sheffield and its environment and the people that live in it. And it's really interesting because, like, what started off as, you know, oh, surely they're not going to cut down that many trees. Oh, they'll only come for a few hundred, turned into, oh, they're coming for a few thousand trees. And then there was this rumour of possibly half the trees, but we could never quite find the evidence trail. We heard rumours and we heard recordings of people in council talking about maybe they're going to come for half the city's trees. So it got to that point where... Um, we started to have a, re- a serious discussion um, with the council by effectively standing on their doorstep and saying, can you please talk to us? We're, we're not going to go away. So that was literally standing in front of the town hall, um, writing letters, you know, constantly haranguing local MPs and councillors, talking to anybody and everybody, and most importantly, getting, you know, big-name writers interested in our campaign. So we've had... Um, uh, George Monbiot, he's been a great advocate of what we've been up to. And also uh, Jonathan Porritt, he's, um, he's been very uh, vocal in support of what we've been doing too. So at the moment, um, the fellings are actually paused. Um, so the city council um, aren't currently active in cutting down any trees. But I don't think this situation will last particularly uh, a long time because there's penalties in place. If there's a certain number of trees and there's about a contested remaining 500 trees of the original 6,000 trees that were supposed to be felled. And those 500 trees remain and they are very well defended. And they get, it's getting to that point now where the costs of administrating the felling are far outweigh the, um, the penalties of the contract. So what that means is um, Amy will end up having to pay Sheffield City Council a fee and Sheffield City Council end up paying Amy a fee and it might be that those two cancel each other out but then again they might not so Sheffield City Council maintain that if the trees aren't cut down that it's going to cause huge financial penalties to the city however they've never really been able to provide evidence of this they they just shout scary numbers at us of several million pounds 
Um, but again, you know, without any evidence. What are you arresting this man for, sir? It's complete and utter nonsense. What are you arresting this man for? Who said? You're quite clearly Amy. I'm really interested to know what the what the protesting kind of looks like. You know, is it creative? Is it? Have you got people living in trees? What What's happening? Yeah, we've had. Well, we've. We, it's interesting because largely the people you might see on the streets are actually tend to be the more elderly residents of Sheffield because obviously they're the ones that might not be at work because they're probably retired. Um, but it is really a, ra- a range of ages. So we've had like kids, uh, you know, with their school's permission, doing street art, putting penance in trees, drawings of, you know, the animals that they see in their local neighbourhood and, you know, just expressing their love and support for the trees. And then we've had lots of students involved, you know, people from politics and um, from environmental backgrounds. They've been really keen to report on it and get involved. We've had public protests outside the town hall. We've had musical events. We did a massive event where we had um, uh, a bit of performance art outside the town hall, which was um, a man dressed as an Amy um, arboriculturalist, and he was chasing people down with a cardboard chainsaw while while we, uh, while the, in the background there was uh, the sound of a chainsaw on a little hidden PA. So that that was quite good fun. <laughs> Amazing. And we gave out tree shaped biscuits as well to try and bring the mem- members of the public in. It's like I was going to say, if you've not got baking involved in this, then you're missing out. <laughs> And Jarvis, you had Jarvis, right? Yeah, we have had Jarvis. So he's he's been in and out, and if you like, he's he cares about Sheffield a lot. So he's been, you know, off, talking about it in the media quite a bit. But he um, he, support, he supported uh, a music event that was happening a couple of weeks ago where he did the DJ set, and Rich Hawley did one too. And then it was um, local acts doing live um, music and yeah it, again it's it's having the support of people like that that kind of just keeps things in the media the fact that you know we're not going to go away we've you know we've got some incredibly stubborn people in our campaign and that that is our strength that people once they've got the bit between their teeth they just won't let go because you know they know they're right because they've got you know they've got the law on their side effectively that says we have the right to peaceful protest where protests have happened it's quite often ended slightly badly so there have been arrests there have been people falling over there have been various accusations going around most of the accusations that have been against protesters have been fairly baseless but we had um, a fantastic front cover in what i can't remember was it the star sheffield star of um this it said with the headline this is the face of modern protest tree protest in sheffield and it was somebody wearing a mask and it was a deliberately it was a deliberately provocative image it was de- deliberately designed to make us look intimidating without exploring the fact that the reason people wear masks is because we have we have different categories of protesters and the people wearing masks actually we call them bunnies and they jump over security fences that are heavily guarded by um, effectively doorman security who don't normally um, police protests like this and they go in and because that's illegal because it's breaking the terms of the the injunction that was granted to Sheffield City Council um, anybody who goes in there is sub- is subject to massive fines which could include um, you know up to and including losing your own home so Needless to say, that's quite a heavy response, isn't it? 
some of the, a lot of the uh, protest does stick within the bounds of the law. So it's only really the bunnies, and also oh, we have squirrels too. Uh, squirrels, <laughs> funnily enough, climb up threatened trees, but um, we don't generally have too many of those because you have to be pretty quick and nimble to get past security guards and into a tree, or without like being dragged to the floor and then dragged away. So you know, it's it, in itself, it's quite it's it's really high octane sometimes, but. Then you've got your geckos, and I've been a gecko occasionally. And what you... are you talking about? <laughs> this is brilliant. We've got our own language now. This has been going on for so long. So a gecko is someone who will slot themselves into the gap between a wall or a hedge and an incomplete security barrier. Um, and then lastly, gnomes, and I've done quite a bit of that myself, which is basically standing in somebody's front garden underneath a threatened tree. So we seek what we call garden permissions from people on a street where they know that a tree is being threatened and we ask that they put a sign up in their window and have a piece of paper that says i have granted permission for protesters to stand in my front garden underneath this tree and you have no right to remove them because we you know we in this country we still have the right to stand where we want on private land on public land it's a difficult different matter altogether and i was nearly arrested this time last year for walking up and down a piece of pavement and I said, why am I being threatened with arrest? And they said, because we've asked you to move. And I said, is this not a public highway? And they said, yes, it is, but we've asked you to move. And yeah, so it was a, it was a case of it was a bit of a standoff, my first standoff with the police as well. So it was um, it was nerve wracking, but it felt quite empowering at the same time. Would you would you go to the prison for this, friend? Do you think? Uh, I don't think so. No, because. I don't think that going to prison is the ultimate solution to this. I'm a big fan of negotiation. You know, I can't speak for other people, but I know that I would rather uh, find a peaceable solution rather than... I don't want to be a martyr. I just want to, you know, get the best outcome, essentially. What's the the support like in the city? Um, Do you have, uh, you know, do you have people who are actually a bit annoyed about the protests and would rather that you just let the council get on doing what they want to do or or is is it just you know most people on your side oh gosh it is it's a really mixed case i mean on the same street you've got people with opinions of with such differing opinions and while a lot of people are sympathetic to the campaign some people are losing patience simply because their roads are in a shocking state there's nothing being done about them for ages. There's bloody potholes all over the place. So people who are sympathetic have this kind of, you know, tension in the fact that they just want the work done. And effectively, yeah, unfortunately, we're delaying that. But we also think that the Sheffield City Council quite tactically using the fact that we're delaying to actually uh, give Amy a bit of breathing space. But at the same time, that also means that other people who really don't care about the trees as much are more supportive of us because they now see it as a civil rights issue and, you know about the ability to express yourself and uh, you know have some kind of autonomy um there's other people right at the end of the scale and i've met plenty of them who hate trees they literally hate trees and all they see them as is an inconvenience that have the the dare to drop leaves every year and make on their, top of their cars yeah on top of their cars aphids yeah wrapping on top of their cars that's a classic um uh oh it interferes with the tv signal um it casts shade funnily enough so <laughs> none of these are valid reasons for removing a tree and sheffield city council even used to have that listed on their website but now they've taken that down mysteriously so there's a whole reason of legitimate reasons for me- removing trees and then there's a whole reason list of reasons where 
you might want a tree removed, but you can't just because you decided that your, you know, your TV signal is not as good. Or, you know, the classic case of somebody who, you know, standing outside their house arguing that that tree shouldn't be there and it's too big. And I was like, how long have you lived in the house? You know, maybe 10 years. How long do you think that tree's been there? And then, you know, they pause for thought for a moment. It's like, well, it was there when you bought the house, wasn't it? Did you not think this might be an issue if you really don't like trees? <laughs> so that doesn't go down very well, as you can imagine. <laughs> trees, I love trees. I love trees. I love trees. What happens now, then? Uh, we Down here in London, we've noticed that the Michael Gove has spoken up. And it seems like, just looking at it and the way you've talked about it and the things that we've read about it, it's kind of stuck. Because you've got a council that can't get out of the contract because they'll lose loads of money. You've got a company that is in a contract that it does very well out of. Um, so how does this stop, you know, or do all the trees get cut down and that's it? What's like? What's going to happen, do you think? Um, well, the worst case scenario is we can't do anything to stop the contract. Um, but I believe that because there's a remaining 20 years on the contract and we've covered so much ground in just the last four years, particularly in the last couple of years since they really started cutting down trees in earnest, that there's no way that this situation can just endure the way it is. And the fact is that protesters have been so effective. I think I, I overheard a comment, um, somebody saying that, in Neveredge, they were only managing to take two trees every week. So at times we've had up to 30 security guards, the same amount of police, a, f- a full crew of arbs waiting to cut down a tree, and nothing's happening. What's an arb? And an arbor, an arboriculturalist, so the men who come and fell the trees. And it's ah, right, okay. Tree murderers, that's what they are, that's what you want to yeah, call them. I would, li- I would like to be a bit, you know, subtle in that, because I, I think they're quite conflicted, some of them, you know, privately. They've got to work, and this is the work they're getting. Um, but some of them, I don't know why they go into tree work. Probably because they like wielding chainsaws. Other people, <laughs> yeah, as simple as that, maybe. Yeah. Sheffield City Council are almost impervious, completely resistant to um, embarrassment, it would seem. And they think that by repeating things ad infinitum, that they will become true, ultimately. It's the old fake news scenario. <laughs> and... Uh, it's it's coming apart at the seams because too many people are talking about it too much at the time. And I think that ultimately something will give. What that, How that's going to work out, I do not know. Because I think there are certain councillors who've got themselves into such a deep hole now that if they their only way out might be to be deselected or worse. So I, I just don't know. It'd be really interesting to see where we are come summer of this year when the council elections have happened. And that might be quite telling. That might uh, be a turning point. But you know, I just, I just can't say at this time. So we, uh, we weren't sure when we started this section who the bad guy is. So who, if we had to find one person or one, who actually, who's, a, whose fault is this mess really? Who, who would you finger for being the, the particular inhoff in this case? I'm going to have to say it's. It's not an individual. It's not an organisation. I think it's just the fact that PFI contracts should not be used to manage um, public assets like trees and other environmental features. Because if somebody's going to make money out of it, it's always going to suffer. So it could be, you know, Amy or any other private company profiting from it that ultimately is going to make the situation carry on. Um, so yeah, I, 
it's the situation I blame rather than the individual actors, I think. Hang on, it's Gordon Brown's fault then, isn't it? P- PFI. Yeah. Or... Oh, yeah, no, it's Maggie Factor, and then all the new Labour bods got all over it, didn't they? And they yeah. said, yes, this is brilliant. Let's go. Neoliberalism wins, yes. So it's... <laughs> Maggie Thatcher's fault. Maggie Thatcher, you are in half of the week. <laughs> And where, if people want to get involved or help out, um, how can they get in touch with with Stag, with the campaign, or or what's the most useful thing they can do? Um, You can go and visit the uh, Save Sheffield Trees website. That's a good place to start. And if you're on Facebook, um, look up Sheffield Tree Action Groups, which is under Stag, S-T-A-G. And also look for us on Twitter. And you can just join in the conversation, add your two penneth worth, whatever you think because we're just interested to hear from people, particularly if anybody who's got any expertise. We, we'd love you know, to speak to people who really think they might have a solution or they've got something to offer that could uh, really you know, take the campaign forward. We'd love that. Right, so anti-Inhoff of the week. This is self-evidently the section where we talk about people who aren't Inhoffs. They're nice. And I don't feel hugely comfortable about this. But (laughs) this week, the anti-Inhoff is, uh, well, this guy. Hello, you've reached the governator. (laughs) Michael, hello, it's your boss here. Rupert, your voice has changed. Uh... You sure, mate? You sure you want to put this guy back into... You sure? I don't know, but carry on. It feels odd. It feels very odd. We've talked about this before, haven't we? Back in episode 85, we talked about Michael Gove, and we put him into both Inhoff and Anti-Inhoff Corner then, if you remember. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's ringing a bell. Yeah, uh, because he's turning out to be all right. Oh, Govey, Govey, Govey. Everyone got their knickers in a twist when he arrived as Environment Secretary, including me um, <laughs> and you. Um, and But he's actually turning oh, out to... I don't know. I think uh, I was I was fairly circumspect and said that we should at least wait for him to turn out to be a massive bellend before we call him a massive bellend. Which he has not turned out to be. Well, unless you're a badger. Yes, or a plastic bottle. Because uh, what's he announced he's going to do? Oh. He is going to return his deposits. Oh. <laughs> uh, We need to have a scheme that doesn't just raise the revenue for recycling, but also creates an incentive for uh, those manufacturers to move away sometimes. What Michael Gover said is, we are going to put an extra charge on plastic bottles, uh, which we will return to you if you return the plastic bottles. Uh, Basically, it's called like a vending machine in reverse so literally you go and shove your used plastic bottle in a hole in the wall and it doesn't any, any hole in the wall uh, yeah any hole in the wall just just find a hole in any wall shove a plastic bottle in there and suddenly michael gove appears with 15p it's extraordinary try it but no this this is you know clever whiz bang machinery um with wizards in it and stuff where it works out what plastic you've given it and then it gives you a little credit and it's like here you go 15p or whatever and this isn't kind of some crazy, stupid, made-up idea. This is something that in Germany has been happening since 2003. 
um, and has meant that recycling rates there are about 95%, I believe. Mm -hmm. So it well old works. I think in Norway is 97%. 94% I've got here. But oh, yeah, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. On some sorts of plastic, but yeah. So this is clearly a thing that works. And anyway, what Michael Gove has done is said, we're going to have a consultation on it. He said slightly more than people thought he might. He said it might apply to glass and cans as well. Um, we're not clear whether it's going to apply to all types of plastic. Uh, but he's going to have a consultation on it. And, and the, the sense is that that's going to result in there being a deposit return scheme. So well done, Govey, 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 Govey. You brought down David Cameron. Then you brought down Boris Johnson. Some people are saying that you are a kind of political serial killer. Um, uh, so why is it taking so long? And is it a big deal? That's my question for you. Right. Um, it's taken so long because this country, specifically England, is just rubbish. Yeah, literally. Um, it's literally yes. rubbish. Well, it's, I don't know the answer to that, because I think there used to be schemes, like in the olden days, people have been piping up on radio phone-in saying, oh, I remember. When I was a boy, we used to get fourpence for taking our cans of milk back to the dairy yes exactly something <laughs> something like that <laughs> something uh and that's that's you know that's the point it's not a new idea no well, it makes sense doesn't it it's good it makes, for everyone makes sense um i guess companies like making really cheap things and not having to be responsible for cleaning them up that's who it's not good for now i have been paying attention to what the british plastics association have had to say about this Part of the problem with the fact that people do not dispose of containers in the right way is that there's not a convenient infrastructure to do that. So there are going to have to be a lot of them and they're going to have to be conveniently located. I think that's one of the big challenges. Now, I'm my default position is to get all high-pitched and squeaky about quotes like that because yes. it sounds mealy-mouthed and ridiculous. Yes. And it is. Yes. But I don't understand why they've reached for their sort of default this is awful kind of quote, because I don't get why it is awful for the plastics company, like for the plastics industry. Like, well, why? People are still going to buy plastic drinks. And then what? They're concerned that they don't know who's going to pay for it or what? It's that, isn't it? They reckon it will cost a billion quid to set up and a billion quid to run, which is probably roughly ballpark right, because I think that's what Germany's cost-ish. Right. Something like that. Um, and I, I don't know. Let's think it through. You uh, Right. Thing costs 60p, may now cost 70p. Some people might not buy it. You've seen what the plastic bags does when, like, you know, you sort of whack up the price of something and people um, suddenly... Sort of stop paying it. So I suppose they might not sell as much fizzy drink as they did before. Um, interestingly, because yeah, okay. so, yeah. one of the things we don't know is who will pay for it. In Norway, in Norway, the Norway. very, very successful Norway. scheme they've got over there, shut up, was paid for by uh, the industry themselves, did it? They, like, it wasn't a government scheme. The government said, like, every bottle that isn't recycled, we're going to tax you. And so it was in the industry's interest to wow. bring it in, for example. Cool. So I think we don't know. And this is what the great question really, all is what sort of deposit scheme are we going to end up with? Because you're pretty sure this will make some people lose out. And those people, much as they have done for the last 15 or 20 or 25 years, will get their knickers in a twist about it. And we'll go to Mr. Govey, Govey, Govey. And they'll say, Gove, come here. Come here, son. Come here, son. Come here, son. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll go alright <laughs> did you see that brilliant protest somewhere in Bath I think no 
I'll tell you about that brilliant process <laughs> somewhere in Bath. Uh, a bunch of campaigners, not for any particular um, big group, just local campaigners, decided they would buy and pay for their weekly shop in uh, in Tesco. And then when they got to the end of the checkouts, they unpacked everything, what was in plastic, put the goods in their bags and left the trolleys full of plastic for Tesco to deal with. It's brilliant. And then like I was watching the BBC News and they covered it. You know, this is the sort of fringe, tiny thing that no mainstream media would ever have bothered with in the past. But now it's a thing. Plastics is a thing. And the thing I liked most about that was Tesco were like, yeah, seems fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They got a point. So that is just about it for another babble. Thank you so much, Dave, for babbling on. Thank you particularly to Fran for telling us what on earth is going on in Sheffield. And do check out the Sheffield Tree Action Group for more info. Indeed. Thank you, as always, to the legendary Dickie Moore for the music that starts and ends and intertwinkles this here podcast, and to the sublime Arthur Stovall for the logo that adorns both our stuff and our merch. Last chance to go and have a look at the merch and tell us what you might like. No, because we're going to actually start selling some soon. Uh So give us, pop onto our website, have a look at merch, uh, www.sustainababble.fish. And thank you to Arabella for so nobly and bravely grappling with the babble. So drop us a line if you like what you hear or you don't like what you hear or you want to tell us about the merch. Hello at sustainababble.fish is the email address. Get in touch on Facebook by searching Facebook for Sustainababble. Uh, we haven't yet deleted Facebook, but uh, I'm sure we will one day if it doesn't delete us first. Uh, and you can tweet us at the Babble Wagon. Right, that is... Oh, I get to do this bit. That is just about it i am are you off. trying to sound like me yes now this is right yes um that is just about it so <laughs> i am off dave ruffle to uh sellotape myself to a tree what are you doing <laughs> i'm going down brentford <laughs> where i'm gonna be all london and not tell anyone that i'm not a vegan eco warrior and i'm all legit i am legit shut your face i'll see you next week bye bye outside get outside <laughs> I'm, I'm doing the rest on my own get out all right going in carry on this is nicer good is this recording bye i miss dave